0: Um, I am Catherine Sirks with AAPS, and for the number of years now, I've been uh, going to meetings of of groups like the NCVHS and now the American Health Information Community. So I've kind of been charged today with talking to you about the alphabet soup of government that's affecting some of of what you do, uh, a lot of what you do. We're hearing a lot of this now under the heading of consumer-directed health that we have no more choice for patients. We're going to have health information technology. We're going to have quality standards. We're going to have transparency, transparency in pricings, transparency in quality. We have evidence-based medicine. As a side note, when has medicine really not been evidence-based, right? Uh, but So we have all these things now that, again, are being presented under the guise of consumer choice and consumer empowerment. The phrase, which I don't like, is the consumer-directed health care. Uh, first of all, it's, 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 well, it doesn't matter. Um, the, <laughs> the camera's rolling, so I have to be careful what I say sometimes. So what you have is a lot of government bureaucrats and, and committees who are, are working on these issues. So I wanted to try for you to understand some of the, politi- before I talk about some of the specifics for you to understand the political dynamics of what are going on. You are, you, you probably know this, you are pawns in the political game of what's going on now because the politician wants to reduce costs. He talks about quality, setting quality standards. We're going to have quality, and that way we can monitor everything that goes on and we can cut costs. And then I pose the question to him, well, what if you have a non-compliant patient? How do you fi- follow those guidelines? What do you do? But, but, but that doesn't make a good political message. So B, there is no question about it. All of these issues that are on my alphabet list here the, the National pro, pro, uh, Provider uh, Identifier, Pay for Performance, Evidence Based Medicine, HIT, EHR, and PHR are all political issues and political footballs that are being tossed around. <clears throat> what I'd like to, we, we keep hearing about consumer based medicine doing so well, and that is true. Patients are coming to this. Um, And and it's in the category, really, of deja vu all over again or back to the future because I am old enough to have grown up when I was a kid in the 60s. That's the type of medicine that was practiced at that time. We went to our family doctor. We paid for him. And my father, who was in the insurance business, we were really well insured. But we never once expected that physician to file that insurance claim for us. If we wanted an insurance claim, we took the claim, we took the bill, and then we sent in an insurance claim. And I still have the, the files. My father saved all the files for me. I have insurance claims for $3, for $4, that were sent to insurance companies, and the checks came. They managed to work off of nothing more than a bill from the doctor. So it's, it's kind of, it makes me laugh when everybody's talking about all of these innovations in the medical system because we're really kind of going, going backwards for some of these things in a positive way. Uh, I want to, but consumers are embracing. Uh, people are opening medical, our health savings accounts really at the rate of almost 50,000 accounts per month. And the projections are that we'll have cov- the number of covered lives, the insurance term, by 2021 will be 10% of all the covered lives, which is really good. But a problem, of course, is that it's still employer based. Now, the reason that that's crucial is because to you all, as we're talking about some of these things, the NPI and you're moving to, towards a cash. Practice um, This employer-based system, it's all skewed towards the employer-based system, which is making it hard for you to do some of the things that you want to do that I'm going to talk about in a little bit. And with that note, let me just jump in to, to, uh, to the NPI, because this is, this is everybody, on the top of everybody's mind right now because we have a deadline coming up in May. Implementation for the use of the National Provider Identifier. The first deadline is in May of this year for the big health plans to start using it. But I want to tell you something off the top. Number one, there is not a requirement that you have a national, patient, a national provider identified to practice medicine. That's the good news. It only applies to HIPAA-covered entities. So if you are a, one of AAPS's country doctors and are, HIPAA, are a non-covered entity under HIPAA, you do not need an NPI. Now... That's, that doesn't mean things are going to go smoothly, which I'm going to talk about in just a moment. But let me let me make some other points on on NPI and let you think about whether you how the direction you want to go with this. First of all, expect delays with the N, with the NPI. I have listened to the industry people say this flat out that come May we will have delay. They expect delays in payments up to six months. They have, the industry folks have already asked for an extension to September for implementation they, to, 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 to use dual system of the legacy numbers and the NPI, at least through September of this year because they're so worried about it. There has been no testing phase of this. There's no, been no beta, beta phase on this except for what Medicare has sort of implemented as of this month. Expect there are delays in getting paid. There are delays in even getting your number at this point. If you call the enumerator, enumerator And to get your number, they say to expect at least 30 days before that number will be effective and into the system. Um, And those are called crosswalks, by the way, to get your number into the crosswalks. Okay. You're going to end up keeping your legacy numbers, too, and that's it for we don't know for how long. So you're still going to have to keep track of your legacy numbers. There are some severe security problems that we're concerned about. It's like handing out your Social Security number. The referring doctor needs your NPI on his forms to get paid. So he's going to call your office and say, I need your NPI. And you're going to be giving out your NPI. Well, those doctors and some of those people who aren't in this room, who aren't as ethical as as you are, and the folks who run the Medicare mills and do those types of things, Somebody's NPI is gold. They start filing claims, they get the checks, and they're gone by the time it comes around. We've asked repeatedly for some some questions. The the CMS motto on NPI is get it, use it, no get it, use it, share it. That's the official and that's the official motto. And it sounds like something that should be like applied to a sexually transmitted disease, doesn't it? Get it, use it, share it. Um, and and we think that the NPI is somewhat viral. So those we I, we can't get answers, and there are, there's no this is I, I don't have a solution. I don't have a good, good I don't have good news to tell you about it. These are issues that we're raising. Um, there's a problem with now. Here's the problem: if you're doing a cash-based or no eliminating third-party claims from your system, your patient goes to a laboratory. <laughs> the Laboratory is going to say, "I need the NPI for the referring physician." say, well, my doctor doesn't have an NPI. And they say, well, then we need your employer identification number. Well, if you're a solo practitioner, it's likely that your your employer identification number is your Social Security number. Again, I'm trying to get them on the record, trying to get CMS and HHS on the record to answer these questions. Because I think that they didn't think some of these things through. The point is that people, doctors who practice the way you practice, want to practice or are migrating towards practicing, are so far off of their radar that they aren't even aware of these problems and these issues and the problems that they're they're causing. So we're working working to move on that. Um, so what I can refer you to is that we have prepared. A Q and A or an FAQ on the NPI. It's sitting on the table if you didn't pick it up. It's posted on the APS website. If you don't get it today, you can refer to it. We have a section in there on unanswered questions, and if you have more questions or run into more problems, please send them to AAPS because then I take them and I'm walking in and asking these questions, trying to get the government on the record with some of these. Since we don't have a, we don't have a. Uh, really a mechanism for advisory opinions on the NPI. This is the best we can do is to write letters and for me to keep asking questions. Now I wanna move on to uh, uh, the physician-owned hospitals. I just wanna to touch briefly on this because I, um, the state of Texas has a, has a big movement, large group of docs who have been able to do physician specialty hospitals. And <clears throat> there, there there was a moratorium that has in, in essence been lifted on the on the uh, set up on the licensing and approval of, of new um, specialty hospitals. But now, what's happening on the other side is that some legislators, legislatures are saying that you aren't, the specialty hospitals aren't going to contribute to their fair share of, say, taking care of emergency care patients or whatever. So, states such as um, Texas uh, have imposed a, an additional tax, it's almost like a sales tax or a business and occupational tax on physician specialty hospitals here. So we're, we're watching those and trying to come up with environment, and AAPS has been working on some some um, offshore hospital <coughs> projects, and we're trying to come up with some things that'll make it a little bit easier to to get around the system, too, that we will be able to keep you posted on. Now I get to some of the, 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 the big kahunas here. Um, is as I move to to health information technology, and, boy, we've got, we've got some real... Let me, let, me, let, me go, let me go to um, pay-for-performance and evidence-based medicine first before I go to health information technology. Um, they are related, though. Okay. Now, what I tried to make clear to folks out there, the policy folks and the politicians, is that there's a difference between evidence-based medicine and pay-for-performance. Okay. Evidence-based medicine has nothing to do with payment. Payment. It's when you take those evidence-based medicine or the standards and apply it into a system of pay for performance. You're using the evidence-based medicine to determine payment. Okay, So I'm trying to make sure, and they always say, well, they're linked. I say, no, they really don't need to be linked. They're separate, they're separate deals. Are you seeing the pattern here? You recall, this is, everything I've said so far, it's about getting paid. It's about getting paid through a third-party payer. You have to have an NPI to get paid through a third-party payer. They want you to do pay for performance because of a third party payer. When you do these, when you avoid the third party payment, some of these some of these problems start to go away or are at least alleviated. <clears throat> so what the what the push now is from the policy folks who are working on at the American Health Information American Health Information Community. Let me back up. National Committee on Vital and Health Statistics (NCVHS) is a committee that was formed under the HHS. It's a FACA advisory committee, open meetings, that advises the secretary on issues of health statistics, health data, health standards, and technology. Then we got another group called the American Health Information Community that was formed out of the Office of Information Technology through President Bush. And this is the group that has been uh, the most... Uh, one that you've heard about the most in terms of getting the National Health Information um, national fa- in, in Network, NHIN. Okay? Um, <clears throat> so when I talk about HIT, I'm talking about health information te- in technology in general. When I talk about NHIN, I'm talking about a national interoperable <laughs> system. And as it's explained is, we already have existing health information systems around the country. They're in RIOs. (laughs) RIOs are regional health information organizations. Okay, So you have some, you don't have to remember this, just so you get a sense. Oh my gosh, if you get a sense of what's going on with this and how they talk about it. In the meantime, you're sitting in your office going... I just don't even know what code to put in here and can I just get paid you know but you're there they all these hoops that you have so we have things like intermountain states you have a blue cross blue shield they already have a health information technology for their system so the idea now is to take all of these existing regional systems and get them to be able to talk to each other get them to be interoperable so it's like the airlines it's a spoke and hub type of system, um, where where it's going like this, with the with with the, but with the government not being the middle spoke. Okay, now that's somewhat good news, because of course the 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 worst possible scenario would be to have a centralized database, would be for the for everything to have to go into the government computer. And then come out for that spoke. For them to be the, the spoke, the hub of, with all the spokes coming out. So when we hear talking about interoperability, that is a technical term to talk about what computer people do to make their systems be able to talk to each other and recognize the data, and for the code sets to come in and everything to be in a compatible form that they can all that they can recognize each other. So that's their idea now. What you have is the move now, and I I told you I was talking about pay for performance and evidence-based medicine. There is a move now from this group, AHIC, and on that group is the American Hospital Association, the CDC, the Veterans Administration, HHS. um, The one physician group is the the Academy of Family Physicians. um, Hospital Federation, you get the idea, uh, they want to embed the clinical decision support tools into an HIT system. So that means that if you have an electronic information system, electronic health records, EHR, that in that system would be your your um, evidence-based medicine and your clinical decision support. So when you re- it's it's all there. So they can then they can come back when you go for payment and tell you, you didn't follow the you didn't follow the pay for performance here. So so it's 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 that everything is starting to merge. Again, it's whose advantage is this to? To the insurance companies for payment. The insurance company is the government, of course, who's the biggest payer. So that's, that's why, because then it's that they have all of their t- tools built into one big system, if, if all of that is embedded. Now, here's something else to think about. Who's going to write the paper performance standards? Well, everybody's already jockeying and falling all over themselves. You have... We know that the AMA... The AMA signed a deal with the House Ways and Means Committee last year that they were going to get to write some. Then we have various specialty groups that are going to compete. I mean, that's a nice little plum to get to write the standards for your sector, and that's a large amount of political control, and one needs only to look to CPT codes to understand how much that, how much that coding, how much that, that writing those standards, how much control that could give those groups. So <clears throat> it was just to be an all-out catfight. And I also know that the Secretary of HHS in our meetings makes repeated references to Congress linking payment to performance. Now, it's very interesting that just recently the, the Inspector General's Office of uh, um, HHS came back and said that they did a pilot pro- pro- project on, on quality Data, chemo patients, they've gathered data on chemo patients, and doctors were paid to do so. The average payment to the doctors was 23000 One doctor managed to score 600 and something thousand. And when the attorney general went through the information, said it was virtually unusable. That the data collection te- taxes were so bad, there was no control over it. That, it was, that this is not usable information. So what we need to do as an action step is that we need to keep demonstrating that these cookbook quality uh, uh, networks that they're trying to set up aren't usable. They aren't going to save money. In fact, Senator Grassley said that essentially the U.S. citizens were built because of this project, built out of several million dollars. So there's an example of quality that, that a, of an attempt to gather quality and pay for performance that just didn't work. I testified up at um, at the HHS meeting about two weeks ago, and um, I I in politics I use the good dog approach sometimes, and sometimes I use the bad dog approach. So you try to use the good dog approach as much as you can. Good dog, you know, good dog for only eating half of the steak. Good dog, you know. So, so I had to use the good dog approach with them. Good dog for for uh, f- for allowing that pay for performances is, is you know is not working. Good dog for allowing allowing them to opt out. <clears throat> One of the things with the with the. Um, I'm watching my time really carefully. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to edit a little bit as we go along so that I don't go over. I want to save time for questions. Let me move on from the evidence-based medicine, the pay performance. I want to summarize on that as saying that we have... Um, I can't imagine any other industry, any other sector, any other profession, which would be so con- quality-controlled. And the other thing that we, we have to make clear is that we see more move from the consumers for health grades, for some sort of system. And those of us who are trying to do this in a way that would be beneficial to you and to patients, patients do deserve some information. They would like some information to be good shoppers. But how do you do those comparisons? How do you put objective comparisons and numbers on a page between a physician or an OBGYN who... Who specializes in high risk pregnancies versus one who doesn't? The numbers, the numbers are not going to tell the story. So that's the dilemma: is they're trying to make things fit into a box that just won't fit into a box. We're working on a system um, and writing some, working on the computer language for this that will allow a a Zagat type of, of rating by that patients actually do it. Now, that's not going to stand up to the scrutiny of what the government wants, but it may end up being the thing that patients might find most useful than those health-grade systems that have gone on. Moving on now specifically to health information technology, the working models for health information technology are now up and running, and the players in this, of course, are IBM and Northrop Grumman. I saw a demonstration of the systems. So if you put in your information, how it would work. Now, here's where, I, uh, here's where I'll tell you the, my good dog story. And that is I, I commended them because they brought a great deal of granularity to these systems. See the language I have to learn to talk to these people? <laughs> granularity means the system is granular. It's into discrete sections so that a patient can opt out at different points of the, of the information system, or they can say, here's my medical record. I want this part to go to this doctor, but nothing else. Or I want all of this to go to these people. There's, it's, now, what that means is that the more granularity there is to it, of course, the more expensive it will be. And second, the more skilled the people who use it have to be. So hospital clerks intake folks have to be much more skilled to use these systems if HIPAA threw people then you can imagine what what this is going going to do to the people who have to run the systems. But I gave them I gave them good dog points for 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 a lot, having lots of granularity in the system. <clears throat> now The problem is that the insurance companies, of course, claim ownership of the information in a medical record now. It's sent to them for payment, therefore anything that they think that they own it. Alrie, we did have a we did have a success on this. I, I sit for APS. I sit on the Health and Human Services Task Force of a group called the American Legislative Exchange Council, National Organization of State Legislators, and they had they we have we have a working group on HIT. They had started to, to, to define their principles to put out, and one of the principles that was in there at first was acknowledging that the insurance companies had ownership of the information. I was able to at the meeting last month, two months ago, able to get the whole thing thrown out. They're starting from scratch, and they're going to start with our principles as the starting place. So that's that is a good thing, because that goes back then to state legislators for their model legislation. But the insurance, again, the insurance companies believe they have an ownership of the medical record. We, when we talk about it, we say that you don't even own the medical record. You don't own the information in the record. You own the paper. That it's in, or you own the file that it's on, but the information is the patient's patient's information. <coughs> then we have problems because it's if it's uh, because again of the the um, the with the granularity. The question is, do patients have a choice to be involved in this? Oh, I know what I started to tell you too is that I gave them props to say, look, if you're going to do incentives on pay for performance, if you're going to say. Say, we'll give you, there are going to be incentives for pay for performance, then they have to be true incentives as opposed to you're going to get paid 10 cents on the dollar if you don't use, you know, pay for performance or come up to our standards. It should be you're going to get the, the, the dollar on the dollar, and if you use it, then we'll give you an extra 10 cents or something like that. True incentives rather than punishment or coercion disguised as an incentive. There's a big difference, and politicians don't always get that concept. <clears throat> the same thing for patients. As I talked to, to, told them that they, they have this working group called Patient Empowerment, and I said, you know, AAPS believes in patient empowerment. Patient choice. That makes good, better patients, better consumers. But you know what? Included in that choice is the choice to refuse a medical treatment and also included in their choices that patients have a choice not to be involved in the, an electronic information system. For whatever reason, privacy, whatever reason, that patients should have a choice that you should not have to file their information through an electronic system to someone, with or without their permission. As you all know, HIPAA has nothing to do with the consent. You're only informing them how it may or may not be used. <coughs> There's, and then, I, what I want to make clear to you, because you may be getting some questions from your patients on, the, on personal health records. There's electronic health records, which are the ones you keep, you send in. Then there's the personal health records, which they may have um, on their computer. They may be computer-based. They may be on a flash disk. that The patient has around with them. That's my recommendation, is this type of system for a patient, because some of the personal health systems, like the VA, they're computer-based, they're web-based, computer web but they are run by the insurance company or they're run by an insur- or the insurer. Well, how secure is your information if it's, if it's a web-based system run by those folks? Especially your, insurer, your employer, come on employer is going to have a right to look at that information. So we, we like electronic we like personal health records. We think that's a good thing. We've for 10 years or more. We've had a little thing in the back of the APS patient power book for people to start making some of their own medical records because people don't tend not to do that. So if somebody comes in and I've been reviewing the product that's out there and some of the manufacturers that are doing this type of thing, as I, as I get to a point where I can make recommendations or at least say some of these aren't horrible, um, I will post them on the website. I haven't found anything. We certainly won't endorse a product, but I can tell you the, the, the things to look for and some things that you might be able to tell your patients. The other thing is that we're developing, again, through our Patient Doctor Direct project, which, which is still in development, we are working on... Um, we would have available a web-based um, patient personal health record, so that we won't have to go through it a different server. <clears throat> uh, Medicare. Let me let me talk to medic about Medicare, and then I'm going to bring Andy um, back up um, to talk. You had so you wanted to take some questions with me too. Yeah, we're going to have time for some questions, and I'm going to bring you back up, so if you have any more questions on opting out of Medicare that Andy made references to earlier, you can ask those at the same time. The things that I wanted to remind you about Medicare is, of course, the payments are going down, which AAPS as a position has said, yeah, well, that's really not a problem so much, Uh, because maybe if it goes down enough, enough folks will get it. Uh, And the other thing is that right now... The time has been extended for your opting out period or for you to change your status to become non-par. If you're a non-par doctor, you can move towards opting out at any time. But you have to go through that process first. So you have time to do that right now. And there's some things that you might want to think about as as you do that. There's a new bounty program coming up, in case you haven't heard about it, the recovery audit contractors. They farmed it out to bounty hunters. that was a vote in just this past December. There's a three-pilot, three-state pilot program going on right now, and you know it was probably a, a, it was probably a political trade-off for for the freeze on the Medicare SGR right now. Um, so I'm sure some high-powered medical group that has lots of lobbyists in D.C. to be on, still on an unnamed medical group in D.C. Um, probably bartered that type of arrangement. So <clears throat> you know there are, there are many, many reasons uh, for you to be able to move away from Medicare. So all of this sounds a little depressing, I know. The, the, the personal health records can be a real tool for your patients. Pa- patients do like that. The other thing with the electronic health records is there are systems available that are for electronic systems within your office. And many of our members have reported back that they have some and use them and like them the, the, particularly using having a laptop in every exam room, do your data entry, do everything right there with the or the handheld, and they love it at the end of the month. All they have to do is is go to quicken or something, they can do their accounts, everything at the same time, but that's for within their office that's not for paying insurance companies, so I think that is you you you, you here, what I'm saying is that all of these things are linked to payment. And our last, our, our last two speakers after Andy and I take questions are going to be the ones who are really going to help you with the roadmap to avoiding some of these some of these dilemmas that I've outlined. That they're coming, they're coming at you, and it's 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 not getting better. It's it's getting as they struggle for the dollars, they keep moving forward.